0: Let us now give our attention to the reading and hearing of God's holy word found in Genesis chapter 18. And The Lord appeared unto him, that is Abraham, in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. He lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground. And said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. For a little water, I pray you, be fetched and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will fetch a morsel of bread and comfort ye your hearts. After that ye shall pass on, for therefore are ye come to your servant. And they said, So do as thou hast said. And Abraham hastened, Into the tent unto Sarah, and said, Make ready quickly three measures of fine meal, knead it, and make cakes upon the hearth. And Abraham ran unto the herd and fetched a calf tender and good, and gave it unto a young man, and he hasted to dress it. And he took butter and milk and the calf which he had dressed, and set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree, and they did eat. And they said unto him, Where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah, thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age. And it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, after I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? The Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of sh- a surety bear a child which am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Then Sarah denied, saying, I laughed not. For she was afraid, and he said, Nay, but thou didst laugh. The men rose up from thence and looked towards Sodom, and Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. And The Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him. And they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. And the Lord said, Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which is come unto me, and if not, I will know. And the men turned their faces from thence and went towards Sodom. But Abraham stood yet before the Lord. And Abraham drew near and said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Peradventure there be fifty righteous within the city. Will thou also destroy and not spare the place for the fifty righteous that are therein? That be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and the righteous shall be as the wicked that be far from thee, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And the Lord said, If I find in in Sodom fifty righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. And Abraham answered and said, Behold, now I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord, which am but dust and ashes. Peradventure there shall lack five of the fifty righteous. Wilt thou destroy the city for lack of five? And he said, If I find there forty and five, I will not destroy it. And he spake again unto him and said, Peradventure there shall be forty found there. And he said, I will not do it for the forty's sake. And he said unto him, Oh let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak. Peradventure there shall be thirty found there. And he said, I will not do it. If I find 30 there and he said behold now I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord for adventure there shall be 20 found there and he said I will not destroy it for twenty's sake and he said oh Lord or oh let not the Lord be angry and I will speak yet but this once peradventure 10 shall be found there and he said I will not destroy it for ten's sake. The Lord went his way as soon as he had left communing with Abraham, and Abraham returned unto his place. And this is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Well, we have been going through the book of Genesis in our Old Testament reading. We have come through the Abrahamic covenant. We've seen... God entered into a new covenant with Abraham. He entered into a covenant with Adam, into a covenant with Noah. Now he enters into a covenant with Abraham. And in that covenant, as we saw last week, God gave assurance of a promise, and he gave the assurance of that promise by a sign. And so that Abrahamic covenant was inaugurated by the giving sign that God promised that he would be a God to his people and to every generation. And so that Abrahamic covenant has uh, <laughs> is extensive even um, unto this age because the Abrahamic covenant points particularly to the seed that comes through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we don't want to miss that Abrahamic covenant. It's not a physical covenant that was arranged with Israel. It's a covenant that God made with his people in every generation. And so after that covenant was inaugurated, and Abraham Abraham, um, gave that bloody sign to his children and all of the male inhabitants of his household, God here appears to Abraham and reveals himself for the sixth time I think this is important to note that God has revealed himself to Abraham on six occasions now. And he reveals himself to confirm his promises to Abraham. He's already inaugurated that covenant of grace under Abraham. And now he will confirm his promises to Abraham. There's a lot in this chapter and a couple of, exegetical points that scholars are divided on but as we look at the first eight verses we want to see the appearance of the Lord to Abraham as you look there in verse 1 of chapter 18 it says the Lord appeared unto Abraham in the plains of Mamre that is that area where he's living now Mamre is one of the um, allies of Abraham Um, In the war with the kings, we've seen that previously in Genesis. But now Abraham is sitting there in the tent door in the heat of the day. He's sitting there in that place of authority. These were nomadic people. They were living in tents because they had not yet received that promised land. And so they were nomads. They were wanderers. They were strangers in the earth. And so Abraham's sitting there in the door of his tent... (laughs) as the man with authority over that city. I think that's important to note because to sit at the door of the tent indicated that he was given authority and that he was there in a place, in a position of authority. So God appears to him. There in verse uh, 1, it says, The Lord appeared unto him. He did that in um, chapter 17 and verse 1. He said unto him, I am the almighty God, walk before me and be thou perfect. Some time has gone, and the Lord appears again unto Abraham. And the word Lord there is that word that is used in Hebrew, referring to Jehovah. So it is the Lord that appears to him. It is not a theophany, but it is the Lord himself. The Lord speaking to his prophet, the Lord speaking to to the mediator of that covenant under the Old Testament. But there we see that not only does the Lord appear to him, but Abraham receives three visitors. As he lifted up his eyes and looked, the text tells us that there were three men standing by him. When he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground. Now, as he receives these visitors, there are those commentators, and I am not of that persuasion, that believe that this uh, is a theophany of the uh, triune God. I think that's a little uh, difficult to pull from the passage because these are men that actually interact with him. They are men that eat. And I know we can say that oftentimes the Lord does appear in a theophany, and that is simply true. But I don't think there's any indication that these Three men, except the one who is the Lord, who does come and speak to him. So remember, three men are standing there, and and most would say that um, the one is my Lord. There in verse 3, he says, My Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass away, and I pray thee from thy servant. So here, my Lord, is that Hebrew expression, my Lord, or my God, Adonai. Um, And so Abraham is addressed by this one. Sarah calls him my Lord, but it's a different word that is used. Here it refers to the Lord God. And so these are most likely angelic beings, as we will see in chapter 19 of Genesis. Um, As the writer of Hebrews says, you never know when you might be entertaining angels unaware. And so these angels are standing there, these these beings that come from God. And in that particular culture, it would have been common for you to entertain strangers. You didn't just bring in the guests that you liked. You brought in strangers. And so these strangers came to town. This is a desert. Their, their feet are dirty. They are, they're probably hungry and tired. And so in that culture, they would have shown hospitality. They would not have turned away from these visitors. And so as he speaks to the travelers, we see there in verses 4 through 5 that he addresses them in the second person plural. You all, I pray you, be fetched, wash your feet, rest yourselves under the tree. And so there's a sense of that uh, hospitality under the Old Testament. But there's more here that I think is important to understand as we see the uh, unfolding of the Abrahamic covenant. There in verses 6 through 8, what are they doing? They're eating a meal. They're enjoying a meal. Abraham goes to great lengths to prepare a meal. I mean, if you look at the preparation, he tells Sarah, quickly, make three measures of fine flour, knead it and make cakes. Uh, How many women would be able to do that quickly in our context? And yet, he says, do it quickly. And so there was an urgency here. And so they prepared the calf. They prepared all of the food. And uh, they came and sat down, verse 8, and they did eat. I think there's more here than, that we don't want to miss. But this meal indicates fellowship. It indicates communion. Covenants under the Old Testament were arranged with a meal. That is so common in the Old Testament. A meal showed a treaty of peace. So under Abimelech, as you see in Genesis chapter 26, uh, you see that treaty of peace with a meal. You see there in um, Exodus chapter 24 that a covenant was ratified at Mount Sinai. And as that covenant was ratified, as it is here in chapter 18, the people ate... And drank in peace, and we see a peace offering in Leviticus chapter three and verse seven. A peace offering was signified a relationship with the Lord, and there was a meal. Notice in the New Testament as we see the fulfilment of the Abrahamic covenant that the Lord Jesus Christ, on the night in which he was betrayed, did what he took bread and gave thanks. he took the cup of wine. And so we see the ratification of the covenant of grace with a meal. And so that is what's happening here. This is significant because God is ratifying that covenant, a unilateral covenant in which he enters into Abraham and to that seed that he has promised to bless through Abraham. And so as we look at verses 9 through 15, we look at the second point. There's a dialogue that is taking place here between God and Abraham. The purpose of this visit was not to just entertain strangers. The purpose of the visit was to confirm the promise that God had made to Abraham. The one visitor that came asked in verse 9, Where is Sarah thy wife? Um, That was interesting that an angel would have known that. Most likely God had asked him, where is Sarah, thy wife? And he said to him, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah will have a son. And Sarah's listening to this, and she's laughing to herself. Shall an old woman have pleasure with her husband and bear a child? That's impossible. And so the text tells us that Sarah's laughing within herself. And as the Lord says unto him, and again it's addressed as the Lord speaking, why did Sarah laugh? Shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? And then the Lord asks, Is there anything too difficult or too hard for the Lord? Again, he reiterates that at that appointed time, I will return and Sarah will have a son. We see the denial of Sarah, um, indicating that she did not laugh. But here we see the purpose of the visit confirmed. We see, verse 10, the annunciation of a birth. I think this is quite intriguing when you think about the annunciation in the Gospel of Luke of the Lord Jesus Christ. That the announcement was made that the Lord would bring about the fulfillment of that Abrahamic promise in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that annunciation is made. You see in verses 11 and 12 that uh, skepticism of uh, Sarah. We've already seen the skepticism of Abraham. But God confirmed to Abraham with a sign, with a bloody sign, that he would... Um, bring forth that promised seed. And so the Lord rebukes Sarah. Verses 13 through 15, it's, it's not a strong rebuke, but um, the Lord says, is anything too hard for me? I will return, and he reiterates that in verse 14, I will return and Sarah shall have a son. But we see the doubt of Sarah, and yet the Lord later gives faith to that doubt so that she does believe all of the promises of God. But thirdly and finally, verses 16 to the end of the passage, we see the justice of a righteous and holy God. Notice there in verses 16 through 19 that the Lord reveals his will unto Abraham. So the men rose up, and um, they looked towards Sodom. Abraham was with them. And um, the Lord says, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Chapter 19, we will see what God does to, to Sodom and Gomorrah. And so he gives a preview of what is to take place. And as he says that, Abraham is again reminded that he will be a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth will be blessed in him. But I want us to note here, and I think this is an important thing to to notice in verses 16 through 19, particularly verse 19, that as the Lord reveals his will to Abraham, we find that Abraham, who becomes a great and mighty nation, sees the establishment of that covenant. How is that covenant established? We often think it was established only with the giving of a sign, and that's it. But in the giving of that sign, verse 19 says, The Lord knows Abraham that he will command his children and his household to keep the way of the Lord, to do justice and judgment that the Lord may, be br- that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. And I think this is a good verse for us to go away from because as we have the privilege of witnessing three baptisms, I think, here in the next number of months of uh, covenant children, it's a reminder to us that that sign does nothing to our children. If the fathers do not carry out with their duty of instructing their children, commanding them to keep the way of the Lord, it's an empty sign. And yet it was not an empty sign for Abraham because it called Abraham to instruct his children to walk in the way of the Lord. John Calvin has some wonderful instruction on this. And uh, perhaps you can look at that in your own leisure. But he says, we are told that God knows Abraham will instruct his children to walk in his way after him. Calvin says, first, there's an instruction and then what kind of instruction is given. In other words, we see that Abraham takes responsibility to lead his children. So in the person of Abraham, we see what the responsibility of all believers is, principally the responsibility of the fathers of the family who have been called to be the heads, not only of their children, but of their servants that are under their care. And so here in this passage, Calvin reminds us that the Lord has Abraham instruct his children. Calvin later says that there is no written law at this time. There's not even a gospel really um, developed here. But Abraham knew that God's will was to lead his children in the way of everlasting. And so there's instruction here that reminds us, as fathers, reminds those who have children to instruct those children in the way. We've seen many children who have been marked with baptism either as infants or as adults, who have just simply abandoned the faith. And people will say, well, it must be the sign Well, the sign doesn't have anything to do other than to point to what the promises are and the duty that we have. In every covenant arrangement, God gave a promise and he gave an instruction. God gives us a promise and an instruction. And if fathers do not take the responsibility of leading their children and instructing their children and calling them to faith and repentance they will be held accountable in the day of judgment for not instructing their children. And so this is a a really pointed verse, I think, in this passage that we need to be reminded of. And then the Lord speaks of the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah, that he will bring judgment, that Abraham will intercede on behalf of that nation. God has affirmed his covenant there in verses 17 through 19. And then he promises that he will bring judgment upon Sodom and Gomorrah and all nations that forget God. And so this is a reminder to us that God indeed is faithful to his covenant promises. But in the giving of that promise and that sign, there's a duty and instruction for those who lead their families to lead their children before the Lord. So let us continue to give thanks unto the Lord God for reminding us of that covenant, that promise that he gave back in Genesis 3.15 that continues to follow in seed form until the full flower, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us sing to the glory of God our next selection, Psalm 25c.